Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Talking Knicks. I'll be your host, Greg Poon, today. Uh, Jake is out picking up his girlfriend from the airport because he's a nice guy. Uh, That's debatable. No, it's not. Jake's a nice guy. Uh, I'm here with uh, Kenny, my brother, and Tom. Hey, let's talk Knicks. The New York Knicks select Kristaps Porzingis. Posting toes, puffing and stuffing. Again, igniting and exciting the garden crowd. Kenny, how you doing today? I'm doing good. Doing good. I had a nice little weekend. We had, uh, there was a, a Roaring Twenties end of prohibition anniversary party or something in the, the bars of New Haven this weekend. My good friend Tom Piccolo, who is also here, was also there. So um, I am here and I was there. We had a blast. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it got a lot more kind of festive than I anticipated. A lot of people dressed up as, People from the 20s, you know, wearing their black dresses. They had the suspenders and bow ties, which is kind of normally my look. But uh, Tom doesn't have any 20s clothes, so we didn't actually dress up. I just wore jeans like a like a person from today. That's mostly true, but I did I did rock a 20s style hat. You know, like one of those kind of derby style hats I got from my grandfather. He passed it down to me, and now I wear it to Great Gatsby themed parties. And that's the only time you ever wear it. Exclusively, then yes. Well, I mean, you go you go to a lot of Great Gatsby themed parties, though, so it gets a good amount of use. <laughs> Guilty as charged, my friend. All right. Well, I'm also doing good. Thanks for asking. Uh, I, had, I had an eventful weekend myself. Went to a Stanford Santa Con. Everybody dressed up as Santa. I had a Santa hat. Uh, I actually ordered a suit, but it didn't get delivered, or it did get delivered, but I don't know where it is because they usually. T- I live in a big apartment building. So they tell me when I get packages, but nobody told me. So it's somewhere. Someone's wearing a Santa suit that I ordered. But such is life. Yeah, her, yeah, those things are usually pretty wild. I know Tom, I think Tom went to a few in the city. I did. I used to go to uh, Santa Con or two back in New York. Is it is it the same in Stanford, Greg? Did it get pretty wild? Yeah, it's uh, it was a wild time. It's not New York City, but there were people partying to say the least. Anyway, enough about Santa. Let's talk Knicks. This week we went one and two. Uh, losses to the Trailblazers. Win against the Heat and a loss to the Magic today. Uh, let's go in order. Let's break it down. Loss to the Blazers was absolutely horrible. Um, Knicks didn't look like an actual basketball team for the majority of the game. We're losing by 26 points after three quarters. Uh Finally got it together in the fourth, outscored the the Blazers 27-13 in the fourth, but like I said, they were losing by 26 after three, so the 14-point swing didn't didn't do much. Um, Offense scored 37 points in the first half. For comparison's sake, the Blazers scored 37 points in the third quarter, and Trey Thompson also once scored 37 points in in a quarter. So... Plays good. Not the best performance by the Knicks on that day. Let's let's hear what you guys got. Tom, what are you thinking about this this Blazers loss? Yeah, man, it, it was not pretty. So going into the game, the Blazers had the second ranked defense in the league. And you look at that personnel and you just think, like, how could that possibly be given, you know, they've got their two guards and Dame Lillard and CJ McCollum, who, you know, are not known as plus defenders. They've got a couple guys on the wing who are okay defending the perimeter. You got uh, Evan Turner gets some minutes. 
Noah Vonley, I guess, has kind of turned into a defensive player. And then they've got Pat Connaughton out there. Um, it just it, it doesn't add up. And then on the, on the inside, you've got Shabazz. Shabazz Napier, another small guard. Or UConn Greek. And then uh, – a natty chip. Yusuf Nurkic at the center, like not like trying to protect the rim. So it doesn't make sense that the Knicks wouldn't be able to score in them, but it, that was the case. Like they were settling for mid-range jumpers. They were not really running any type of offense. And it was just, it was a an ugly uh, game in terms of shot selection. And the results kind of bared that out. They were not, not able to score very well. Tom, you missed the biggest story of this game. And that's that, Joakim Noah got in, you know, he got his first minutes of the season, played three minutes, played pretty well, made a layup, which he did not do a single time last year. And that is a scientific fact. Um, But, you know, he brought some energy in his three minutes and, you know, that was good. But uh, like Greg said, the most of the uh, the most of the rest of the game was not good. Um, I think just, you know, I think we're going to talk about it a little later, but without Cantor, they just... Very little fight and very little energy coming from the team. And, you know, they got down early. Yeah, no, and, and it was great to see that coming from Noah. You know, when you watch him do it as a part of other teams, you think, oh, I really hate that guy. But when he does it for the Knicks, it's it's a lot of fun. I was definitely excited. I was amped up for those three minutes of Noah. Yeah, best three minutes of the game. And then, you know, things didn't go so great. But, you know, some some people at solid stat lines, I know Kylo – uh, Kylo Quinn had, you know, 11 rebounds and scored eight points on four of eight shooting, which is not terrible. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr. had another, you know, kind of inefficient shooting night. He went six for 18. Porzingis went six for 16. And, like, I think that was my what to watch for at the end of uh, um, last pod was just how does Porzingis shoot it. And, you know, in that Portland game, he didn't shoot it particularly well. So, just one of those nights that the the ball didn't go in the hoop. Yeah, it was a it was an absolutely horrible horrible game. The the 37 points in the first half really says it all. Uh I want to pull out some positives, but uh, there really wasn't much. The Joakim Noah 3 minutes was good. Uh Michael Beasley was plus 11 off the bench. I don't know if that's good cuz I don't know if we we want him doing good good enough to play because I don't know if he should play. I don't, I yeah, don't know. He's, he's in a weird spot. Um, I, there, I mean, there was, there was some positives, I guess, going into the, like you said, the, the fourth quarter was a good quarter. Um, and it was particularly good because there was a bunch of guys who don't usually get minutes. Like uh, Billy was out there that quarter, and he, you know, in his few minutes this year, he has been very bad defensively. But while he was out there, the Knicks played very good defense, um, at least for that you know, one quarter. And so, you know, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to take that as a positive. And I know, you know, Ramon Sessions had a, you know, he looked all right in uh, the short time he was out there. So, you know, again, that's a similar situation with Beasley. Like, do we want Ramon Sessions out there a lot? Probably not, but you know, y- you find the positives where you can guys. Yeah. I got another like half positive. I don't know. It'd be a positive for you and, Probably not as much of a positive for me because I'm not, not just. Or I'll just say it, and then we'll understand why it's that. <laughs> Was Frank Frank tank, taking eleven shots? Shot three for eleven. I know you're all for him firing away, but three for eleven is bad. So objectively bad. 
So I'm like, I'm all for it. Shoot some shots, but make them is what I would suggest. Yeah. I mean, that would definitely be better. I think the big thing for Frank is like, it, it is good to see him kind of getting comfortable out there. And we saw a little bit more of that tonight, but uh, eventually the shots are going to fall. So, I mean, if you look at any of the, the stats for any of the, the rookie guards, they are all shooting terribly from the floor. So I'm not too worried about Frank. Would be better if he was making shots, but you know, at least he's taking them. Next shot is, step is to make them, and then we're good. Yeah, I'll say one funny thing that Frank does. Uh, he, he likes to pump fake from three, take one dribble, and then shoot a, a really long two. That's, that seems to be his go-to move. That is his go-to move. And I think, Tom, didn't you do a little, a little article recently kind of doing the analysis into the mid-range jumpers from that game and how that was kind of the Knicks' downfall? So maybe it's all Frank's fault is what you're saying. Yeah, I don't know if we can blame it all on Frank, but, uh, yeah, I did throw a few stats out there. that, And basically the, the general idea of it is that, like, a catch-and-shoot field goal attempt is almost always better than an off-the-dribble attempt. And mid-range jump shots are among the least efficient shots you can take. You know, if you're able to get to the rim, that's usually more efficient. Or if you take a three, it's worth an extra point, so that kind of balances out, um, you know, the, the greater degree of difficulty in a three-pointer. So, yeah, the, the Knicks were just taking a bunch of – they took 32 shots from the mid-range, which is 10 more than their average coming into the game. Um, and they took just a bunch of – a lot of their field goals were just unassisted, right? So that's kind of a, a measure of if it's a good offense, are they getting assists? Are they moving the ball? Or is it a lot of iso ball? And in this one, it was mostly isolation shots and not a lot of uh, ball movement and sharing the ball going on. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned the three-pointer. I was going to bring this up later, but I feel like this is a natural point for it. The Knicks are giving up the most three-pointers in the NBA, which is uh, like 12 point four or five and they are making the few or not the fewest the 28th most the third fewest so yeah greg i'm glad you brought that up about defending threes because i did a little bit of research into that myself and uh so not only are they giving up the most threes per game they're also giving up the most corner threes per game which is like it's kind of a foot closer than than above the break and so that makes it one of the more efficient shots in the league um and not only that, so nearly they also give up the second most in terms of a percentage of opponent shots that are either open or wide open threes. So just the, not only are they giving up a bunch of threes, but they're also the highest proportion of open or wide open shots. Only the Kings give up a little more. So the Knicks are not in good company when it comes to defending the three-point line. And that's, you know, that just doesn't make kind of a lot of sense, right? Because... They have the number one shot blocker in the NBA right now and Kristaps Porzingis. So you'd figure they would, you know, defend a little harder getting around screens and like be able to to pressure the 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 offensive player a little more, but apparently they're just not doing it. And I don't know, you know, I, I have watched the games and you you see just so many wide open threes and it gets a little frustrating at, at some point, but I I just don't understand how how it's the how that's kind of the norm because they have capable defenders. Like, I don't, I don't know what you guys think. No, you're right. They, they have good rim protectors back there. So you think they'd be able to get out there and more aggressively uh, contest three pointers. But I mean, it could just be a personnel thing too. Like Jared Jack's getting up there in age. Um, you know, Frank's still learning the ins and outs of NBA defense, even though he's, he's a terrific defender or he's shown flashes of it. Certainly. Um, 
but yeah, you're right. It is a little confusing. Yeah, I mean, the rotations just very often look like uh, they're not like they're not even there, really. People just look lost, and then that's they end up with a wide open three. But then they they figure it out in the fourth quarter, so they should just try to do that the whole earlier, game earlier. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, moving on from from the defending the three, where we need to shoot more threes, right, guys? Yes. We're giving up. We're giving up. Uh, other teams are making twelve and a half. We're making about eight and a half. So that's that's four points right there. I mean, it's twelve points, but I'm assuming we make four more twos to balance it out. So it's four, it's four free points for the other team. And for, for in the NBA today, the three-pointer is king. The, you got the Rockets and the, the Golden State Warriors who just are launching away. We don't have the personnel that they do, but if they have better personnel and they're, they're utilizing this extra point that's available on each possession, it's, it's something we should consider. Yeah, you're really fighting against math when you're uh, taking as few threes as the Knicks do. And, and, you know, we talk about the personnel, but, like, Porzingis is, is a 40% three-point shooter. Doug McDermott is a 40% three-point shooter. Courtney Lee, another 40-plus percent three-point shooter. Um, and Lee and McDermott just need to just take more, you know, it, it, like, just in terms of volume, just get those shots up. And I think that uh, Hornacek can do a better job of, of getting them more open looks on a perimeter. But these are these are – borderline knockdown guys and I know I you know I just watched McDermott um today against the Magic so that's kind of lingering in my mind how he did not shoot the ball particularly well but you know that was a, a one game sample it's just over the course of time McDermott shooting five threes a game is going to be a good thing um yeah, yeah I think Horn, Horn I mean, needs to emphasize that and the other thing, the other person that you kind of just glossed over there uh, is you didn't really talk about Timmy, who is, in his career is a good shooter. Um, this year, less so. I know uh, we've talked about it before that he's taking a lot of threes and he's not making many of them, which is a problem. But, you know, he's a capable shooter. Um, Frank in Europe last year shot over 40%. So he's a capable shooter who's just got to find his stroke. And then uh, Lance Thomas has been, you know, shown flashes of being able to kind of make shots. So they have a lot of guys that can shoot. Um, and maybe it's just a matter of kind of getting the offense more in that direction and setting up up uh, their, you know, motion offense in order to get more shots at the or uh, from from three rather than you know the mid range jumpers and you know. The other shots that they've been getting. So yeah, one one point on Timmy is I was just noting guys who I think should take more threes. Uh, Tim Hardo, he's taken more than seven a game. I think he's good. He kind of gets it, you know, uh, the numbers game. He he probably doesn't need to to launch any more than he currently is. But but we've got a few like Porzingis should, uh, Courtney Lee should, McDermott should, Lance Thomas could jack a few more threes. Um, just overall, this team needs needs to shoot a little bit a little bit more from deep. Yeah, yeah I think a lot of that is also our our feature guys. Not not so much Timmy, but uh, Cantor and Porzingis are not the most gifted passers, to say the least. And if we had them being able to better distribute, we could uh, be getting more open threes. So it's something to think about. I mean, enough enough about. Let's move on to the next game. Big win this week against the Miami Heat. One fifteen eighty six. Couple big storylines: return of Enos Cantor, who was amazing in that game. And the, the biggest storyline of the week, Kristaps Porzingis, three, three and a half minutes into the game or, or something like that, uh, stepped on somebody's foot and... and Justice Winslow. 
Justice Winslow's foot, and he sprained his ankle, and he left the game, didn't play the rest of the game. They said he was available to come back. He didn't end up coming back because the Knicks were doing so well. Hopefully that was the reason, but then he didn't play again today. So seems like it wasn't actually the reason. So let's let's hear your thoughts. Let's start let's start by talking about uh Enos Cantor and what he did for the team. What do you what do you got for me, Ken? Yeah, so like I was saying before in the in their loss to Portland, like they just didn't have energy and they didn't have the, the toughness that they needed. I know there was a quick um, time period where they I think Frank got in a fight with someone. So Frank and Beasley got in a fight with someone in the Portland game, but that was the only kind of energy they showed. Um, the, this game was kind of the complete opposite, right? Where Porzingis went out and everyone was all worried, and then you know, Cantor's out there grabbing rebounds and you know, getting second chance points, and his line was twenty-two and fourteen, which is crazy. But I, I think, and Tom, Tom did another piece on him, kind of getting a deep dive into the analysis, and to his credit, his. One of the things he said was that, you know, while the stats aren't always there, like they don't, that doesn't tell the whole story just because court, the Knicks just look like a completely different team in terms of, you know, their energy levels and you know, their ability to actually play basketball. So that's, that's my feeling on the guy. I love him. Yeah. I mean, Cantor brings just a ton of emotion. He's kind of got that Joakim Noah factor to him as well. Uh, the only difference is he can actually, he has some touch around the rim and actually a great deal of touch. He, he seems to make everything within the restricted area. Um, and it was very evident that the Heat were missing Hassan Whiteside because they just had no answers for Cantor down low. Uh, I think it was um, Bam, Adab- how do you say his last name? Adebayo? Yep, that, that's right. Adebayo. He, he was the rookie. Bam Adebayo for the Heat, trying to defend Cantor down there and just had no shot at it. Um, and so, yeah, like, the, the Knicks got 38 shots within the restricted area, made made uh, 63% of them. League average is about 57. So, like, they, they were really strong down low. And, and the other thing is, which is less sustainable, it, they were actually taking and making all their mid-range jumpers <laughs> nearly, like, at a, a much greater percentage than normal. So when, when you're dominating down low and making your mid-range jump shots, then that's, like, the only instance when it doesn't matter whether you're shooting threes or, and making them. So, um, yeah, the, they, the Knicks didn't need the threes. They only shot 13 threes? Like, that's... I'm saying. Know, that's just kind of crazy. That's kind of crazy, Tom. I'm saying. Uh, but the other thing I wanted to kind of throw in there was I know Porzingis only played two and a half minutes or something like that. Uh, but in those two and a half minutes, he was two for two and just kind of the uh, the Heat tried to send Justice Winslow to guard him and Winslow's like a foot shorter than him. So he just shot over him twice and made the two shots. And then I just assumed that Winslow intentionally injured him to get out of that assignment. And then they lost by 30 anyway. So, you know, that's that's karma for you. Yeah, yeah. I think his name's Justice. I don't know, eh, I don't know why you're doing it. It's with an S. Can't put a little flair on it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's something. Uh, another thing to note, everyone on the Knicks played, and everyone had a positive plus minus. That's fun. That's a fun thing to that do. That is fun. Then another thing, this has nothing to do with the game, but since we're talking about a love for Enos Cantor, did you guys see his tweet about LeBron getting ejected? So yeah. He, uh, he took a screenshot, <laughs> circled the ref, and said, King of Cleveland, strive for greatness or whatever. Whatever LeBron said after he beat the Knicks. Or His after, favorite playground. After Kyle Korver beat the Knicks. So it, it was fun. It was a fun thing to do. Everybody, 
everybody should love Enos Cantor, love his energy, love his commitment to the team, love love how much he loves the Knicks. So let's go. Yeah, let's go. I, I will say he he's a very loyal guy, but he also still has, has some love for the Thunder. Did you see he when the Thunder beat the Warriors, he was tweeting it like, you know, like the Thunder were his second family or something. I, I didn't know about that. Yeah, yeah, that, that was a little suspect. I think that's half love for the Thunder and half hatred for Kevin Durant. So, so we'll just we'll just chalk it up to that. And and him and Steven Adams, I just assume they're like crazy close. We can uh, we can ask Jake Dass his OKC fans, but like they're the Bash brothers and they just have that similar caveman look to them. So they're they're probably pretty tight. Yeah, I mean, people that look the same are always friends with each other. I think that's I think that is how that works. I think that's a rule. Uh, let's, mo- let's, brothers. let's move on. Let's. Uh, mm. Chris Porzingis got injured. I guess we should talk about that. What do you What do you think about that, Tom? You think he'll be all right? Are you worried? What do you well, think? I wasn't worried after they reported that he would was able to come back, and they just didn't seem to need them need him. But uh, today's game against the Magic, they didn't know whether or not they were going to need Porzingis, and they sat him anyway. And now these reports are coming out that he's not even going to make the trip to Indiana for the next game. So um, I think it's more worrisome than they originally let on. Hopefully they're not pulling like a 76ers franchise on us and, and kind of obscuring what's really happening on the medical side of things. But, I, you know... This could just be a cautionary thing. He's he, Porzingis is a big guy. He he gets these like bumps and bruises from time to time, and uh, I'm not going to overreact to this until something definite comes out. Yeah, and I think this is kind of a like like you said. I wasn't worried um, when you know he didn't come back in because they were out thirty. I wasn't even particularly worried when he didn't play tonight, just because they have a back to back and. This, the you know, they've had two other back-to-backs this year where they just sat him the second night. So I thought maybe they're just gonna, you know, not play him the first night and play him the second night. But you know, I'm a little more kind of concerned given that he's not making the trip to Indiana. But again, I think this might be a thing where it's like, all right, well, they're going to Indiana for a night and then they're coming back to New York. Maybe they'll just give him an extra uh, extra couple days rest because they're not playing for this year. So you know, I think. Keeping him healthy is probably their most uh, important thing moving forward because uh, he is the centerpiece of the franchise. So um, I don't like. I think if they were, if if this was a different situation where they were, you know, fighting for a playoff spot and they thought that they had a chance to win the championship and they're fighting for playoff position, maybe he he's out there playing uh, with a couple of these Knicks. But like um, other teams who are, you know, in championship contention, don't even care about the regular season. So I. Maybe I'm wrong. You so know? maybe no maybe one cares about the regular season. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. Yeah. I want to push back a little bit just because, you know, just last week we were talking about how, how the Knicks are fighting for an eight seed or, or a seven or eight seed in the playoffs, you know? So, like, we – I don't know if our expectations have entirely changed in the past week, but that's kind of something that we've been talking about. So, I, you know, I, it is worrisome from that perspective if indeed the Knicks or, and Knicks fans want this team – to make the playoffs, then uh, I don't think throwing away games like to the Magic, which is a winnable game, or to the Pacers, which is still winnable even though they've been playing well. You know, you want to win these these games that are kind of toss-ups if I'm, indeed I'm, you want to make the playoffs. Yeah, I'm just saying that there's a bigger picture, right? Because I, I agree. I think they're, they have the you know, chance to, to take the eighth seed 
um, in the East, but I don't think that's their ultimate goal moving forward. Um, and I think they're, you know, probably more willing to sacrifice a few games this year than, you know, let minor injury become a major injury for Kristaps. So that's just kind of how I see things. I, I don't think it's a, a serious injury. I just think it's kind of more precautionary. Yeah, I'll, I'm, I'm with Tom here. I don't, I don't really like your outlook, to be honest. I think we are playing for something this year, which is why we've fielded the team and we've, we've put, put them on the court. So I think we're going to try and make the playoffs this year. Um, that's been our goal. We've said that a few times. Maybe, maybe we're not planning on winning the championship this year, but like Tom said before, playoff experience is, is going to be invaluable to, to these guys if that is the bigger picture. There's no team that's going to just make the playoffs for the first time and win the championship. So we, we might want to just dip our toes into the water before we, before we dive into the deep end next year. Yeah, well, the, I mean, the biggest thing is also going to be making sure that Porzingis stays when his rookie contract is up. So, you know, doing what's best for him makes sense. And, you know, if he's hurt, then, yeah, you you don't play him. That's a no-brainer. I guess the what we don't know is just the severity of the ankle injury, if this is overly cautious, you know, to the detriment of the team, or if this is just a conservative move that needs to happen because he was actually injured, right? So, we, you know, that's a little just speculation on our side that we don't really know about. But in terms of the team's mindset, I should think it would be to make a run at the playoffs because I don't think that there's a chance that they're going to get like a top five seed. They're just not bad enough. Yeah, they're not going to top five pick or a top, yeah, sorry, or, thank or you. top five seed. They're not going to do either of those. Either things. of those. Thank you. Yeah. So we're, we're somewhere in the middle. Uh, I think he is probably actually injured. The uh, – the, if you saw the picture, it looked like it hurt a lot, to be honest. Yeah, we've, we've, all, bad. we've all sprained our ankle. It's, uh, he, he couldn't really walk very well. I mean, he, he was walking a little with the help of Willie. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's what Willie does for the team this year. He helps Chris Tabs Porzingis when he gets injured. Um, yeah, hmm. he'll, be, he'll be better eventually. Let's move on to, to tonight's game against the Magic, which we've, which we've mentioned uh, a loss to the Magic. No Tim Hardaway. No Chris Tapps. Michael Beasley started. Damian Dotson started. The Magic looked horrible. The Knicks looked more horrible. And we we ended up losing because we didn't have our two best players. And that, that, that turned out to be an important factor in this game. So, I mean, I liked a lot of what I saw, being able to see these guys hang into a game without Chris Tapps and without Timmy, but they went down 17, I think, really early. Um, gave up a, a lot of points in the first quarter, which has seemed to be something the Knicks have done every first quarter for the last three or four years, if not my entire life. I'm not entirely sure. Um, yeah, so what, what are you guys thinking? Did you, did you like what you saw? I mean, it's tough to judge this game because we didn't have our two best players. Did you like what you saw from these other role players? Did you, did you want to see more? I don't know. What do you what do you got for me, Kat? Yeah, I mean, I think you guys know my general philosophy is that if KP doesn't play, then the game doesn't really count. Um, so I guess we just kind of have to see what else we can find uh, within the team. And you know, I I we've been saying it a lot in the last few pods, and just Courtney Lee has kind of been a very important player on this team, and tonight um, is no different. You know, he was the guy that. They, they were calling his number down the stretch when it was close. And, 
you know, he had a very good night. He he scored 19 points on eight of 13 shooting, went, went one of three from three, had uh, five rebounds, two assists, and two steals. And, you know, he's he's kind of the veteran presence on this team, and he's he's been around for, for a while. And I know they were saying tonight he, he was a rookie on Orlando when they made it to the finals with uh, Dwight Howard. So, you know, I think he is – you know, right now while they're still in the playoff hunt, he's going to be a very important player, just kind of guiding the rest of these guys. And I think you saw that tonight. Yeah, no, Courtney Lee was definitely awesome. He was plus seven in his minutes. So the, the Knicks were obviously uh, doing well when he was on the floor. Doug McDermott led the team with a plus eight in his 30 minutes. So, I mean, that's, that's a pretty solid plus minus. And it's not like he, you know, he played a good amount of minutes despite only going one for seven from the field. Uh, McDermott did not shoot the ball well. And there were a couple of frustrating things for me here. One was the Ma- the Knicks let the Magic shoot just wide open three after wide open three. They got really lucky that the Magic, they shot 28 threes in total, only made six of them, going 21% from three, which is just pathetic. But I, I was worried about the defense. Um, maybe even more frustrating, though, was just some of the officiating. I don't like to go to the refs to blame, but... I mean, the, the foul disparity, the free throw disparity, was 29 free throws for the Magic, 10 for the Knicks. And I mentioned how many threes the Magic were taking, too. They were launching from deep and getting a bunch of uh, free throws. Knicks, not so much. Some of those were just really ticky-tack fouls. Yeah, there was, that, there was that stretch with the two in a row called on Michael Beasley when, you know, one of them was when Fournier like, was driving to the hoop and just kind of decided he wasn't going to land on his feet, and the other one was Aaron Gordon, shot a three, missed it, landed, and then just kind of sat down, and they called the foul on uh, on Beasley, and it's just like, what is going on? I mean, look, but, I, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not saying the Knicks played well yeah. enough to like deserve to win this game, but it was still frustrating to see the refs take away some of those opportunities, and just on, on calls that interrupted the flow of the game and just made it less of an enjoyable product to watch, regardless of who yeah. you're rooting for. They were just bad calls. I took yeah. the ball out of my boy Frank's hands. They gave him three fouls in the first, you know, five minutes he played. Two of them probably were fouls. One of them I'm less, you know, convinced about. But still, you know. Yeah, and you, you mentioned the foul disparity. It was it was 24 to 11. And uh, Knicks, I think, they fouled twice down the stretch. So we'll call it 22 to 11, which is still not not very even. I know one like major most of the most of the bad officiating was in the first and second quarter I think and then it continued to be bad but it was it was way worse in the first half I think but the the big big call was most spates getting a, a charge getting called on uh, Michael Beasley that would have been an and one I think it would have given the Knicks the lead maybe or, or made it made it close so so that was that was in the fourth quarter also I should mention that so that that hurt our, our chances of winning. And then I mean, like like Tom said, a lot of open threes. Luckily they missed. Didn't didn't see a lot of good stuff from, from many people. I don't know. Frank went four for nine, which was which was promising. Yeah. He had nine points. You always love to see Frank do good. He made a three. He made a three, which is worth that's what we've been talking about. We need more of that. And uh, one thing I want to mention about Frank, his, his on-the-ball defense looked good today, but he lost D.J. Augustine a couple of times off the ball, and one of those ended up in a wide-open three, and another one ended up in 
a wide open three that didn't go in. One ended up going in, the other one didn't. And again, Frank on offense is just it just feels very methodic. I'll say, if not robotic. And part of that today is you don't have the two people who who create their their own shot, so it's not entirely his fault today. But there were times today where he just there. I remember one play he just gave the ball to Kylo Quinn and then ran away, and Kylo Quinn was just standing at the top of the key, like trying to not dribble, and hmm. it, it, was, it just got ugly for a little bit when when Frank was in. And what did we think about uh, the fourth quarter when uh, Jeff Hornacek decided to put in Ramon <laughs> Sessions for the that, first That was with Ron Baker. No, I am with you. That was kind of ridiculous. Like, it was a – very close game. I think it was three points at that that time, and then they put in Ramon Sessions, who hadn't played all game. And you know, you got to give you you can't just throw a cold guy into a close game like that, like if there's no reason for it, right? Because they had they had Frank and Frank on the bench, and they had Jared Jack, who had you know an okay game, like he he had nine points and seven assists. Like, why did that happen? It was completely mind boggling that Ramon Sessions made his way into the game. That was the first moment when I was like, maybe Hornacek wants this pick. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, there's just no way that that's what you do when you want to win a basketball game. That was, I mean, Jared Jack was, was plus three in his 27 minutes. Jack's capable of playing more than 27 minutes in a game. So, like, the, and Frank no only way. played 16, so, like... He had some foul trouble, too, Frank did. But, like, yeah. but Jared Jack, there's no excuses there. Like, he, he certainly should have been in during that fourth quarter stretch. If he needs a breather, then sure. Like Frank could sop up a few minutes, but I mean, Sessions was in for four minutes. He was minus five while he was out there and was just not a contributor in any way. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to kind of rip on Sessions, which I've been doing most of the season. Cause he, he played some decent basketball this week. You know, he had a couple games where, you know, he was getting to the rim and he was getting buckets, but I don't think you put him in a good position where no, he was put in he, a position to fail. You're right. Yeah. That's exactly it, because he hadn't played all night. And you're just going to throw him into a three-point game down the stretch in the fourth quarter? Like, I don't know if that's the best play. All right, and one thing I want to bring up here, and I want to get Greg's opinion on it too, because I know Greg is a, is a big fan of bucket getters. So Michael Beasley, people are going to look at his line and, and see that he led the team in scoring. He was 10-19 from the field, one for one from three. He ended up with 21 points. He had three rebounds and an assist. Also, five turnovers. Um. And some some questionable defense. I'm curious what you guys thought about his overall performance and and what he brings to this team. I think that uh, his I, I told you guys this while we were watching the game, but I think the one play that basically just defined Michael Beasley and what we've seen from him all year was at at the end of the game. Knicks were down five with 14 seconds left. He gets the ball top of the key just stands there with the ball for like eight seconds and then drives and gets a layup. And then we're, we're losing by three with with three seconds left. So good job, Michael Beasley. Thank for you for the basket. But there's there's no longer any chance of us winning this basketball game. And he, he's a good scorer. He can fill it up. He's a horrible defender. He, I mean, his his baskets all seem to come with – Entirely stopping the offense. It's it's just Michael Beasley and then four other people standing somewhere else, and the ball's not coming back out. He's just going to do his own thing. 
But he is a bucket getter, which is fun to watch. It's not necessarily effective and probably doesn't help us. Doesn't contribute to winning basketball, I would say. Yeah, and I kind of agree with just everything Greg just said. And I think this is just going to be his role where, you know, if there's a night where they don't have Tim Hardaway Jr., they don't have Kristaps Porzingis, throw him out there. He'll get you 20, but, you know, it's not going to be good for, for kind of the rest of the team because, like Greg said, he's going to get his 20 by, you know, he's pull, he's going to drive it to the hoop himself. He's going to, you know, pull up from the, the side like he likes to shoot, shoot it, and he's not really going to do much for anyone else. So, you know, that – that's probably just going to be his role to to get buckets when our other uh, bucket getters aren't out there. Yeah, and the one thing is, if if they called a an and one on that play I previously mentioned, where Michael Beasley got called for a charge, we'd be singing a different tune. We'd be saying yeah. we'd be saying how oh, this guy won us a game. Well, we well we didn't have Chris Stapps and uh, Timmy, so he he is important. Like I don't know if he should be a rotation player, but it's kind of weird. Like if we don't have Chris Stapps or Tim Hardaway. We we just put this guy who who isn't even in the rotation in as like our feature player, which and the, and I agree with it. Is is the craziest part? Yeah, no, actually, it's funny to think that way because he's not he's not good at being a role player, but he's serviceable as as you know the the main contributor. So like 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 we've been saying when Chris Tapps and Timmy are out. I'm what I'm curious though is if Timmy were healthy for this game, and we should talk about him by the way. If if he were healthy, then what would Beasley's role have been um, with Hardaway on the floor? It, I'm just yeah. Hornacek's got some some tricky uh, juggling acts to perform with this with this roster, and uh, and Beasley definitely presents kind of a an interesting situation. I think if if Tim Hardaway Jr. was out there, it probably would have been pretty similar um, for both Beasley and Hardaway, where they both they're both chuckers. Hardaway's going to get his shots up. Um, the people who weren't going to get shots if that was the situation were Jared Ch- Jack shot 10, Courtney Lee shot 13. Courtney Lee went, you know, he had a great game. Uh, a lot of it was kind of by design where he was the focal point of the offense for a little while there. And he's not going to get all those shots if that's the case. Lance Thomas shot 11 shots, which I have to imagine is somewhere around his season high. Um, so a lot of those shots would have just – and Timmy and Beasley would have just you know, gotten their shots, and everyone else would have just been there watching. All right, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with all that. And, and one thing before we get to the Tim Hardaway Jr. injury I want to bring up quickly is, what do you guys think about Ron Baker? The kid was back. And uh, that p- partially goes with uh, with Hornacek putting in sessions in the fourth quarter after he, he decided to put in Ron Baker earlier in the game instead of sessions. I think that was partly because Hardaway's more of a, a two guard. Hardaway is a two guard, and Baker is more capable of playing that. I mean, kinda like probably not. He's taller. This is is the only metric that that makes him more capable. So what what'd you see? Uh, he he played solid defense, made it one good pass, uh, and other than that, still looked like he shouldn't be in the NBA. So <laughs> what'd you guys? Yeah. Think? I'm. I mean, I. You know, I'm kind of on the same page as you again. I just, I've, I've never really been a Ron Baker fan. Uh, I think the the big thing is like he tries really hard, but he's not good at basketball. So like, I just, I, I 
I, I don't know what to do with the guy. You know, you gotta be good at basketball to be a professional basketball player in this league. And, you uh, would think. Yeah, I mean, I I could do with less Ron Baker. I could do with less uh, of a financial obligation towards Ron Baker. Just less Ron Baker in general. Um, I'm, I'm sure he, maybe not less children's books. I could do with more children's books written by Ron. Have you Baker. read his children's book? I haven't read Greg, it yet, but when I have it, when I have a child, I plan to. Greg bought it for our nephew, and like <laughs> it's it's an all right children's book, and then at the end, like the last thing he says is just completely out of nowhere. Like, well, that's crazy. I think that I don't think that's what it is. It's like the whole book rhymes, and then like the the last line just isn't in the right measure is what it was you're like this is decent and then you get to the end you're like what wait this is this is supposed to be in this measure so that that just shows you he's not good at writing either so <laughs> just a parable from on baker's game yeah it's like oh 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 nope and then <laughs> so let's let's get to the big story uh tim hardaway jr injury uh they said it was a uh, Leg injury? I don't know. Some, some sort of stress injury, I guess. So I think they wanted to just kind of keep off his feet. We got uh, some, uh, some kitchen action going on somewhere. What's what's happening over there? Yeah, yeah. My girlfriend's trying to break into the the drawer to get some spoons or something. <laughs> uh, don't really know what's going on. Apparently, the drawer's not working. All right, we'll let, but, we'll, we'll let Tom field the question while she figures that out. So, Tom, yeah. Tim Hardaway Jr. had a, had a leg injury. I don't think they didn't give any more details. They thought he was going to play today. Something happened while he was warming up, I guess, and now he's he's out today. He's out tomorrow. So, we don't really know anything. Should we be, be worried? They've been talking about him being injured all year with a, a foot thing, but now there's a leg injury. I don't know if this yeah. is the same thing. That's that's what I'm wondering is like is this foot thing related to the you know the the foot bones connected to the leg bone situation where it's all sort of one injury? I mean, it, it is kind of worrisome just given that we don't know anything about it, and whenever there's mystery involved and they aren't transparent with their fans, then there's going to be a lot of speculation about it. Um, I hadn't noticed Hardaway Jr. like looking slow. That certainly hasn't been his problem. I think he's looked pretty good getting to the basket. It's just he hasn't been shooting the ball well. And, you know, maybe you wouldn't shoot the ball well if you had an injured leg, so. There you go. Yeah, maybe. There you go, Tom. That's the answer to the season is that Tim Hardaway Jr. can't shoot because of his leg. And so once we get this fixed, he's going to be, you know, back up to normal shooting numbers. Love it. It would be nice. His his shooting numbers have not been strong, so. Yeah, and so I guess we should should flag it until we hear more. Um, It's been – like I, I, we just don't have enough information to make a an educated decision on what how we should feel. So we, Tim, hope you're all right. We don't know. Let us. If know. you're listening, give us a call. Let us know how things are. That'd be perfect. So let's 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 talk a little bit more about uh, the playoffs. I know Kenny's 100% against it. It seems like I think I think <laughs> yeah, if we, not, if we not went exactly. If we if we qualified, I don't think he would want them to attend. I think he would want them to decline the invitation. So, what, what are you thinking? We are currently five hundred and ninth in the East. Um, it seems like the Eastern Conference playoffs is is taking shape. The the teams that you would expect to be one through eight or one through ten are are there. 
the, the Miami Heat are starting to figure it out. They're climbing up the rankings. They're they're in tenth. We just smashed them though, even though they That's didn't have, they didn't have their best player. The the teams that you question are are the Pistons real? They're five and five in their last ten. Are the the Seventy Sixers real? And are are the Pacers for real? So you you expect the Celtics, Cavaliers, Raptors, Bucks, and Wizards to to make the playoffs and to be those top five seeds, basically. So, are we in the same? Are we are we in the mix for this eight eight seed? Do we think? Yeah. So I think the question becomes who potentially could drop down out of that group, and and you listed them. Um, I think that the. I think that the Sixers, I think, first of all, I think the Pistons are, are real in that they could definitely be vying for home court. I don't think there's a chance that the Pistons drop out of the playoffs. I've, I've watched them play a little bit, and, and something seems to be working there. I, maybe it's Avery Bradley. Maybe it's Stan Van Gundy's kind of got, um, got his players more bought in now, but Reggie Jackson looks a little healthier, and Andre Drummond's just been sensational. So and this isn't talking Pistons, but I, I just don't think they're going to drop out. Um, 76ers, same thing where I, they, they look really talented. They, they, they're just so much bigger. Their starting lineup is huge. Um, with Ben Simmons, like really running the point. The thing uh, with the Sixers always is that they got to stay healthy because they, all of yeah. those guys have injury history. So, you know, yeah. to the extent they stay healthy, I'm with you though. No. And, and where I'm going with this basically is I think Giannis isn't going to let his team fall out. I think the Wizards are good. It's the Pacers. It's I, I really do think it's that that eight spot that the Knicks have a chance to contend for. It, and it'll be Pacers, Knicks, Heat. I don't think the Magic will be in contention. The Hornets have really struggled, even though I thought they'd be in in the mix there. Um, and so yeah, just really those three teams: Pacers, Knicks, and Heat, fighting for that eight seed. And you know, I think the Knicks have as good of a shot as any of them to, to make it. What do you guys yeah, think? Yeah, and I'm. I'm not as I'm not against the Knicks making the playoffs. I just, you know, I think that they are, you know, right there for that eighth seed. I'm just, you know, it's it's not a great spot to be, right? If if they get into the playoffs, like Greg said, getting getting some playoff experience, that's good. Being just out of the playoffs is not a great spot to be. Um, but I do think they can challenge for that spot, and they are going to to play the Pacers next game. So they have the chance to jump them in the standings and, you know, get back in there. And then we could just end the season there and we'll be in. Hey, there's a good idea. So appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. I think, yeah, it's, it's just a, it's a coin flip, a three-sided coin. If they make those, it's one of those. So <laughs> three-sided coins. Yeah. I don't know. We could, we're like, we've beaten the Pacers earlier this season. We just beat the heat. So, I don't know. We we are on the same level as those teams. We just we need to stay healthy as well. We need we need Chris Steps to continue to play as well as he has. I know he's he's slowed down from what he was doing at the beginning of the year, but I think we've had some other players pick it up like Timmy. So it's it's even in and out. Uh, we just we just need some consistency. We need we need to win games, and that leads me to the next story. Are, are the are the Knicks road roll? <clears throat> Are the Knicks road woes real? Easy and, for you to say. Yeah, right? It wasn't. It was very difficult. That's why I had to cough and pretend like I, I had to clear my throat because I messed up. So we, we've been bad on the road and good at home. And unfortunately, this week we had three home games and we went one and two. So that's, that's a bad sign as well. 
So what's up with the road? Kenny, I know you had some stats about what's about to happen to our schedule. So let's hear from you. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think this is something that, that we, we touched on a little bit last week in that they, I, their road splits aren't that bad or aren't as bad as they look because they've only, you know, the teams that they've lost to on the road for the most part are good teams. Then, you know, two weeks ago they lost to the Hawks and then that's all out the window. But the big thing that we that you're referencing is the fact that from December 14th to March 9th, the Knicks will play 27 out of 39 games on the road. And that includes a stretch from December 27th to February 2nd, so basically the entire month of January, um, that they will play 16 of 20 on the road, which is a lot of road games. And that's, you know, that like I said, that's starting in on December 14th, so like two weeks from now. And, you know, that's going to that stretch is pretty much going to inform us of, of whether these road woes are re- real because, you know, they're just going to be playing a lot of road games. So, you know, I'm not ready to kind of fully say that they actually have a huge issue where they're a terrible road team and they're, you know, one, they're going to be one and six, you know, that's going to continue. But if it is an issue, we're going to find out real soon, you know? Yeah. yeah and I, I, I think, uh, one one positive though, Kenny, is that two of those upcoming road games will be at the Brooklyn Nets. So that's kind of nice. Yeah. So it's like a road game at home. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and then to complement our, our our stretch of road games, where we find out where we where where we stand, we got a stretch right now against a lot of bad teams, and we're about to. We should find out who we are. That'll let us find out who we are even sooner. We're about to play the Pacers, who are one game over. Grizzlies, Bulls, Hawks, Lakers, Nets, Thunder, Hornets, in that order. So those are all – that's a lot of bad teams. The Thunder are really the only team who who you think should be good. All The, the Hornets are, are a team that you think is capable, but you're, you're not surprised where, at where they are. So this, this next stretch is, is going to show us who we are. If we, we should win these games – I mean, there's no hard teams in here, so that means that there's there, we're, we're going to be playing hard teams later is what I'm trying to say, so we need to win now. Yeah, yeah. and I'm, I'm with you because I get what you're saying in that they're going to be playing some road games, but they're going to be playing road games against teams that they should beat. So, you know, if the weight of being on the road, like, is heavier than the weight of playing a bad team, then that's a bad sign. So I get, I get you. I get your meaning. And – you're right. We're going to find this out very soon as we, you know, we have Indiana and Chicago are both on the road this uh, upcoming week. So, you know, two winnable games on the road. Yeah. I mean, as long as everyone's healthy, those are definitely both extremely winnable. And actually, regardless of who the Knicks trot out against the Bulls, that'll be winnable. So, huh. Love to hear it. So let's just talk about, about this upcoming week. I know we started now. Pacers, Grizzlies have been struggling. Bulls have been – I don't even want to say struggling. They're just bad. And then the Hawks beat us earlier this year, which was unfortunate. So what are we, what are we, what are we thinking? We don't have our two best players tomorrow. So I'm going to say we'll expect a loss to the Pacers who have been playing well. I think I speak for us all. Then Grizzlies, Bulls, and Hawks. What are you guys thinking? I'm not. I'm not ready to rule the Indiana game out. You know, I know we don't have our players, but like we said, we could just try Michael Beasley out, and he'll just, you know, replace them. So I'm thinking, 
Uh, we could go. We could go three and one. I think the Memphis game, or the sorry, the Indiana game is actually going to be the pivot game, as Jake would say. Um, if we lose that game, I see a two and two. But I think that's a winnable game. Like I know they've been playing better, but they're you know that's a winnable game. That's a, a potential budding rivalry game, as as kind of evidenced by the last time we played them, which was you know another tremendous game. So anything can happen. So I'm going to be the optimist and say three and one. Boom. Yeah, can you give a lot giving a lot of respect to the Atlanta Hawks there? I know they beat us on the road before, but I mean in the garden, I, we'll we'll see. What? I know I'm saying I got, three and one. I I'm saying the Indiana game is the pivot. Yeah, that was me. I'm not I'm, giving any respect. I, I was the one talking about the Hawks being Oh my bad. My, that's that's my fault. Uh so <laughs> I got a lot of grief from you guys last week when I picked the one and two week. Um some of that was baked I baked in some of the injuries. Into that, that was back yeah, when Chris you knew that. That was back yeah. when Chris had the lower back thing, though, when he sat out for lower back. I didn't obviously didn't know about the ankle, um, but I, I wasn't sure that he was going to play all three games just because of the back thing. Uh, it ended up being something else entirely, which isn't comforting. But um, yeah, so I was the pessimist last time. I didn't like being that guy, and I, I am thinking three and one here. I like when we talk about the pivot game. I, so I watched the Grizzlies play the Spurs last night, and they can't score against – I mean, the Spurs have a pretty good defense, so maybe that's not a great measuring stick, but the Grizzlies just don't have an offense without Mike Connolly. Like, Tyreek Evans is their best hope, and he's really coming back down to earth. I don't think the Grizzlies are going to be able to score, even, even against the Knicks, frankly. Um, and and the Bulls suck, and the Hawks, they're not the the Knicks aren't going to lose two in a row to the Hawks. So yeah, the Pacers game I could see them losing. So three and one, I'm going to agree with Kenny here and, and stick with that. The Blazers have lost, or no, the Grizzlies have lost eleven in a row, which is is good. But you also are like, how many? They're not that bad. They're not a team that loses eleven in a row. So we don't want to be the team where where the the law of averages finally works itself out and they get a W. No, it's so, a trap game. It's definitely a trap game for sure. And I guess they're, I'll. They're right now, they just fired Fizdale. Uh, Conley's injured. Like Mark Gasol was very unhappy with the coaching staff for benching him, and then that ended with Fizdale getting fired. So, you know, four zero. Boom, changing my mind. Wow. Officially, Kenny, you're on the record for four zero. No, I think I think either Indiana or Memphis. I think we could potentially uh, lose one of those two games. So I'm sticking with three and one, but, <laughs> okay. but, but we could go four now. Yeah. So I'm going to say it's three and one because we're going to lose to the Pacers. I don't, we're, we don't have our two best players. We just lost to the, but we Ma- got Beasley. We just lost to the magic who are absolutely horrible. I don't know if you guys watched, they shot six for 28 from three. We talked about it on this pod. Are you guys kidding me? The, the Magic were so bad. They've yeah, the Magic lost, are horrible. They've lost so many games in a row. They lost. I think. I think they lost ten in a row and then beat the Thunder and now they beat us. That's right. And, and one other one other thing to look out for though is that the Hawks game on Sunday is the second night of a back to back. So they're in Chicago and they come back home to play the Hawks. And you know that that is a risky thing, especially if Chris Tapps is healthy, maybe they still don't want to play him on the second night of a back-to-back. So that's another one to look out for. It, there's a couple a couple games in here where the Knicks are just going to have to come to play. 
Yeah, I mean, while we're at it, let's just say the Bulls game is one to look out for if we're, if we're just going to do that. Let's not make that leap. Yeah. yeah so, As far as the Indiana game, maybe it's just kind of my my growing up in a Knicks household, but I am never ready to concede defeat to the Indiana Pacers, you know? Like, I know Tom's from Indiana, but, like, I generally hate the state. And maybe that's why I hate Tom so much. This is all starting to make a lot of sense. Love Indiana. Yeah, and yeah, I think I think that's a loss. I'm sorry. I'm just going to keep saying it until you guys finally come around and admit it. But we're we're all on the record for th- a three and one week, which is great. That'll get us back over 500, and hopefully that'll get us back in the playoff picture. And the 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 Pacers game is the big one, to be honest, because that's our competition that we've been talking about. Yeah, so right ahead of us in the standings. So that's that game's kind of worth two two games. In the in the big big scheme of things, so yeah. So, so we so it's three and two. It's unfortunate that we're going to lose it. If we win that game, then we're it's a four and one week, is what you're saying. Essentially, yeah, I'm with you. Four yeah, and it, one. It'd be a four and zero. Oh, it'd be a five and zero oh week, actually. If if we beat Memphis too. Oh, oh, for you. All right, I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, at the very least, you have to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. So th- this upcoming week, that's at least the Grizzlies, Bulls, and Hawks. Three and one, lock it in. I was right last week. I'll be right again this week. All right, I love it. Anybody else got anything else to say? Did we cover it all? I think we had a good pod. We didn't have Jake. I I think he he uh, he kind of hold us holds us back. I think that made the pod better. I don't know. Hope Jake doesn't listen to this. I doubt he would. You know. I hope no one listens to this. Any parting <laughs> any parting thoughts? Uh, you know, I just want to see. I want to. I want. I'm interested to see who starts tomorrow, just because the Damian Dotson exp- uh, experiment did not work so well tonight. Um, and I'd like to see Dougie Buckets get that start in place of uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. Yeah, I want to see the Knicks. It's gonna be all about the three point line for me, defending the three point line and shooting more threes. Just got to do it. Got to catch up to the rest of the league here and stop shooting all your mid range jumpers. Yeah, and uh, I'll say to go along with Kenny, um, maybe not who's starting, but who's contributing tomorrow. And we need more out of McBuckets. He's he's one of our scorers, and he went one for seven today, which ended in a loss. So maybe if McBuckets is on, with this 4-0 week will happen. But that's all I got for this week. I think we did a great job. We'll see you again next week when the Knicks will be 3-1, and and we'll be talking about the three wins and the one loss. And there'll be a good time. So, hey. Great talking next with you guys. All right, thanks, guys.